Come on in, Jim Bob. All right, Duke, I'm all ready. I can't believe it. Our friend Butler's gonna be on television. I can't believe that he's gonna be drag racing. Me neither. Did you know he was into drag racing? Well, I mean, he's always loved cars, so I guess it ain't that surprising. But I didn't know he could drive it real fast like that. Oh, I can't wait to see it. All right, you got some beers? Oh, I got plenty of beers. All right, here we go. Let's check it out. All right, I don't see any cars so far. Why? Well, you know, like, it's got to do some pomp and circumstance. You got to stretch it out for the TV. A drag race only lasts, like, what, like a minute? That's a fair point. You got to do the pomp and circumstance. Okay, let's see what we got going on here. Oh, they got lots of women walking around. Oh, yeah, there seems to be a, a lot of that. They're just walking up and down here. Okay. Well, I mean, you got to have women at the drag race. Well, of course, because who's going to hold up the drag racing cards? Oh, what? You think one of them will pull their tube top down to start the race? Oh, that'd be fun. Probably can't do that on TV, though. No, none of them are wearing tube tops, though. You're right. This is more like a formal wear thing going on here. I, what, you know, that's like a, that's like a fancy ballroom dress that one lady's wearing. Yeah, and, uh, what, uh, sure are wearing an awful lot of makeup. Man, uh, I wonder where, well, you know, as long as, as long as we get to see Bubba riding his, driving his car real fast, that'll be, that's what it's all about. Well, yeah, of course, but we're all here for the cars. I mean, no one's gonna say no to a, to a hot lady, but, you know, well, you know, that's another thing. These ladies, they're all wearing, you know, I, I expected them to be a little more revealing. This is all looking like they going to some kind of modeling thing. You know what I'm saying? You're right. They do look more like models. It's very interesting. Hey, what? Hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Is that... Is that... Is that Bubba? Is, it, is that Bubba in a dress? That... No, no. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Oh, my God. That is Bubba in a dress. What's it? What's he doing? Well, he, he appeared to be lip-syncing to a uh, Barbie girl. Son of a bitch. He's doing pretty good at it. Yeah, no, he, he's doing pretty good at the, the lip-syncing that, that song there. It, well, well, maybe it's, maybe it's like a gimmick drag, make drag race. You know, like they're going to... This is like part of the... They're all going to... Maybe they're all going to drive their cars in, a, in dresses? Yeah, you know, like uh, like the like the gimmicks in uh, in pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like that. He's killing it on this Barbie girl thing, though. I know he's lip syncing that like a pro. Welcome to the Hello everyone, welcome to Ruben Uncut. I'm talking with a friend of mine, John Zito. Welcome to the program, sir. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Uh, <laughs> John Zito is, of course, a member of the improv group, uh, Just Go With It. Uh, he is also a, um, you are a drag comedian, is that correct? I, um, I, I do drag comedy, yeah. Um, uh, so that's super fun. <laughs> All right, excellent. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, let's let's uh, let's start out here. Um, so yeah. improv. How did you get into improv? So I got into improv in college. I I took a class uh, with this really talented actor at Columbia College, Chicago. His name was uh, Michael Patrick Thornton, and he was he's a 
he's like a working working actor but at the time um he was just teaching improv you know at the at the art school so so he kind of turned me on to improv and I had a lot of fun in his class and I think our class had so much fun that we um we started an improv group of course just based on this class yeah so we performed together for like three years after that you know and it was super fun yeah nice uh what was the what was the group you were in in Chicago uh we were called the kids okay which I wasn't a super big fan of uh the name but it did kind of fit us because we were literally college kids so yeah i understand Woo. yeah i understand um so yeah okay and then uh then you moved to ohio uh well that's, i don't know I there's probably more in there i don't yeah well right i mean i had a whole whole um hero's journey uh in my youth <laughs> yeah so i mean obviously i was born in Akron, Ohio. And then um, I went to Chicago for school. Then I moved to LA for two years. And then I, um, yeah. And then I moved back to Akron, Ohio, my hometown. So mm -hmm. yeah. I, I relate to that. I, li I lived in Chicago for like two months. Although I don't know if you can really you call did? it. I did, but I don't know if you can really call it living in Chicago when you're technically homeless. I don't. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't work <laughs> You know what? Were you couch surfing up there? I was couch surfing. I stayed okay. in, uh, there was this one uh, very cheap hotel where, where I lived for a little while. It was like $120 for a week. Uh, yeah. That, uh, that was where I was living for a while until, uh, until we discovered a bed bugs infestation there. And it was like, well, no. Uh, yeah, it sounds uh, not surprising in the least. Yep. <laughs> um. <laughs> But, uh, so that was an interesting experience. Uh, but, uh, so, oh, another thing. Um, so you and I actually met long before that in, uh, in the Weather Vane summer stock. Yes, uh, we did. We were, Holy was, shoot. Yeah, I remember actually, that. Yeah, it was the Laramie Project. We were, uh, we were doing the Laramie Project, which is intense for a summer stock. You know, it is. It really is. And it's funny because I totally forgot we met there because I thought we met at Antic. And we did not. We met before that. Yes, like, no. That was my first ever theatrical experience. Uh, which, yeah, it was very intense for, uh, eight, what, eighth graders? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, that's nuts. Uh, but, you know, the person who was running it uh, he really had faith in us, and he was oh, just yeah. like, "I have faith in you. You guys are so mature and like smart." And yeah, it, it was oh, what a crazy summer. But that was that was a great time. It was. Shout out to Sean McConaughey. Sean McConaughey, yeah, for deciding to do that with teenagers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I remember having a, I had a good time in that show. Uh, it was. It was wild because as I got older, I, I learned more context for it. Like, at the time, I didn't really know who Fred Phelps was. Oh, yeah. Which was one of the, which was, everyone plays multiple characters, but, like, that was one of the characters I played. And uh, I played him a little bit more Mountain Manny than he actually is. I just, like, when I discovered, who, <laughs> I discovered more about him later, I was like, oh, I should have played up more cranky old man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, his, his family's just a bunch of grifters, though. Right. 
it's a grift. As they are, as they yeah. do, as they do. They're just trying to get the. They're just trying to get themselves shut down so they can sue for uh so they can sue people. That's uh yes, they are. Yeah, that's uh, that's what a lot of people who've investigated them have th- said it's like these guys are their family is made up entirely of lawyers. And they they have this they have this church they've started and they go to these places and their goal is to offend everybody as much as possible so that either someone will assault them and they can sue or so that someone will try and shut down their demonstration, and then they can sue. It's it's wild. What a business strategy they have. Yes. That's crazy. Fueled by <laughs> hate and trying to be offensive, which is a popular grift nowadays, to be offensive. <laughs> it is. I, I don't think they stand a chance in this climate anymore. I mean, they have a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to... That's true. That's true. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to start doing uh, TikTok dances in order to get their money. You know, it's only know. a matter of time before someone starts saying, "Well, the West Bar- Baptist churches are just saying what they think." <laughs> right. Right. Uh, they they well. they they make a point to try and offend everyone, though. That's part of their goal. Soldiers. Well, at least they're equal opportunists. That's nice. Yeah. For t- <laughs> Still terrible people. Still terrible people, but, you know, iconic in a very horrible way. So, got to give that to them, I guess. I guess so. They're, they're also, <laughs> like, weirdly enough, their origin story is weird. Because, like, before they turned to the dark side, they were, like, uh, civil rights lawyers. Uh, who were known for being, like, the only people who would take, like, uh, black clients in their area. And then at some point... Whoa. Yeah, at some point they became this, which is mind-boggling. That is mind-blowing. I'm yeah. genuinely surprised. Yeah, no, yeah. I was genuinely surprised when I found out about about them. They are, uh, wow, just they took a dark turn in life. <laughs> like they did. Uh, what happened to them? What I mean, I don't know. That's a I, wild one. That is a wild one. It's a I, wild one. We're gonna have to do some uh, some some research. personal research. How yeah, did they definitely. become this shit? Uh, maybe I could do like a thesis on it. Go back to grad school. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, speaking of hot to- topic items, what? Yeah. Uh, so you you do um, you do perform drag. I uh, do. You're, you're a drag comedian. Uh, what do you yeah. call yourself? What is your persona? Um, so my my drag, my proper drag name is Whoopi Cushion. Nice. Uh, which is you know straightforward, um, on the nose, and it's on it's kind of on purpose. You know, I I've had many iterations of a drag name in my past. Um, some of them being, well, my first one was just uh, Terradice, uh, which came from. Uh, <laughs> Tara Reid, who was a pop culture icon of the 2000s. And so yes. I, my, my, my whole thing starting out in drag was that I wanted to create a character who um, kind of emulated those trashy reality TV girls from that time period. Because for millennial gay people, uh, those are kind of our heroes, <laughs> so to speak, you know. Okay. Um, so, so I, I named myself Paradise, 
And then my second name, um, because I just needed more damn attention, was uh, Teradice Farted. So I, ne- I needed people, I needed a, a name that would just like go, make people go, huh? You know, I just, and it did. It got me booked, um, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say nationally, because it was, I was booked in Chicago just based on my name. Wow. Uh, and it was like a big deal because um, there, were, there was a show up there where, you know, only the best, the creme de la creme were getting booked. So, so that really worked for me. Nice. And then my third name and my name right now is Whoopi Cushion, just because I wanted like more of a, you know, a grown up name, but <laughs> at the same time, still very lowbrow, mm-hmm. which is very much my sense of humor. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So right now, there, right now in our country, there's a lot of confusion over drag um, that I've noticed. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, because like um, I, I have come to the realization that a lot of people in America believe that being transgender and doing drag are the same thing. Yeah, that's definitely been. Um... It's been an ongoing issue uh, for a lot of, let's just say, um, middle conservative America. Um, and even even people who don't consider themselves that, people who feel more liberal, they're confused by it too. Um, and I, I think there is a dialogue going on right now um, in um, pop culture and even like sort of in the mainstream that... Uh, people are starting to educate uh, the difference. And uh, I think with shows, uh, TV shows like RuPaul's Drag Race, I think it's bringing um, that into the forefront and and opening um, that discussion up to the mainstream, which is a great thing. Uh, Unfortunately, we're still not there in terms of human rights. Uh, Hopefully one day we will be. Uh, but this 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 uh, country is scary, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the, it's just a, it's a very scary, scary country, country, very cl- scary climate we live in right now. So. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. De- definitely scary times, 100 percent scary yeah. times. Right. Um, but so just just for just to clarify to our listeners that um, there is indeed a difference between drag and being transgendered. Now I have yes. met drag performers who are cis and I've made drag performers who are trans. Um, but being a drag performer does not inherently mean that you are, that you are trans, that you are trans, not trance. Uh, but, uh, (laughs) um, but more that because drag itself is more of a, a performance art style. It is. Yeah. Um, drag is what you do. Trans is who you are. Mm-hmm. which was uh, a famous quote by the Monica Beverly Hills of RuPaul's Drag Race season five. Mm-hmm. Nice <laughs> yes, just throwing that out there. Yeah. So, um, so you do, you do comedy drag. Um, so is that like, yeah. what would that mean? To, explain that to, to our listeners. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, so there are different facets of drag. And uh, one of them being, you know, being a drag comedian, I guess you would say, or you could say, you know, you do camp. A lot of uh, people call it camp instead of like drag comedy. 
And uh, so I've always considered myself like a campy queen. And what that is, is, I mean, it can be all sorts of things. It can be drag stand-up comedy. It can be um, lip-syncing funny songs. A lot of the times it's just kind of lip-syncing to um, heavily edited uh, songs with quotes in there from funny movies or TV or, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people just do spoken word comedy, uh, which I love. Uh, they just actually, you know, not to keep bringing up RuPaul's Drag Race, but oh, it is uh, an integral part of drag at the moment. Um, they just did a spoken word comedy lip sync for their most recent uh, episode at lip sync. And that's pretty iconic that they did that because uh, spoken word uh, uh, numbers, spoken word numbers, which is like spoken word um, lip syncs, they're very uh, integral to our our history in the in drag culture and LGBTQIA culture. Um, so it's cool that they were bringing that into the forefront. But yeah, so essentially, you know, being a drag comedian is you can either lip sync comedy or you could do stand up. I haven't really seen much else. Uh, There is other kinds of performance art. I just can't think of it (laughs) right now. That's that's fair. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the lip syncing. And um, yeah, so... First off, is does that mean the current like trend of lip syncing TV shows is something that the mainstream has appropriated from, from like uh, LGBTQ culture and like tr- and drag? I think um, on a large scale, it has not been appropriated. Okay, but I but I do think on a smaller scale, you know, I think some some people probably claim it and. Um, uh, more so than maybe they should kind of and it's it's not to say that people shouldn't identify with it if you're like a heterosexual you know cis person uh but i i have seen situations where a lot of like the the language that they is appropriated from their favorite television shows like rupaul's drag race or you know the, the show pose uh, that that's about um, you know trans and non-trans people alike who are living in the epidemic of AIDS in the '80s. That's that's another uh, big show that people are watching right now, and um, I think they do appropriate a lot of like the language, which comes from ballroom culture. Oh. Which yeah, so that that a lot of like. Um, you know, LGBTQIA slang that might be appropriated. Yeah, it comes from like the 80s uh, with tr- where trans people and POC people, uh, they were creating this language for themselves because, you know, they they only had one another, so to speak. And, uh, and yeah, a lot of that has been passed down and it just, it has trickled out to be appropriated by the masses, I would say. So I think that's the biggest appropriation I see out there. Now, a thing the thing that makes appropriation complicated is that appropriation is sometimes a way for uh, 
groups on the fringe to sort of like become more acknowledged in society. Of course, we also see in history that there have been times where the exchange has been um, unequal, like a lot of African-American culture that's been appropriated in our society. Um, it, it, the weird thing there about the exchange is that African-American culture is appropriated into our society, but at the same time that has not allowed the opening of opportunities for African-Americans into our society. So, it's a, so I think that's a big problem with where that appropriation it's a big problem. is coming from. Um, Absolutely. And right now, it's, right now it's, uh, I guess we're going to see how this type of appropriation goes. Yeah, um, I, I think so. I'm interested to see what the future holds because we're progressing at a rapid rate. I mean, because of the internet, because of social media. I'm not only with that, but with, you know, trends in general, political, yeah. fashion, uh, pop cultural, like we're going at a faster rate than ever because of the internet. <laughs> so I, I'm internet curious is- to see, yeah, what happens. It, the internet certainly does accelerate all exchanges of culture. That's absolutely. That is, if there's one thing we can learn from this part, from the 21st century, it is that, that the internet. Yeah. The internet and I don't like, like it. <laughs> I no, don't at like times it. it's like, no, it's too fast. It's too fast because we can't, we can't savor the moment, you know? I mean, in the past, like we, we look in the past and we're so nostalgic for the 90s and the 2000s and all it had to offer for its, you know, pop cultural gems and atrocities. I I don't think, I don't know if we'll be able to do that for the 2020s because it's just some, such an amalgamation of fast everything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, that's a big thing is that, like, a controversy will come up in the news and before you have time to process it, here comes the next controversy. Here comes the next big thing. Right. Yep. Lots of distractions. Mm-hmm. No, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's a lot always going on. So, so I, I, I don't think, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um, I would never, I would never... I would never try and credit myself as a drag performer, but I did do a little bit of drag in college. Um, That's awesome. Well, don't get too excited, but like, um, so that at Kent State, they had this thing called the Omega Man competition, which oh. um, was a quote unquote male beauty pageant that didn't oh, okay. take itself very seriously. But yeah. um, once, but like, and like most of the sections were just like regular, like suits and like uniform, like, formal wear but there was a right, specifically right. like a drag section of it where like you came out uh in in a dress and i did that a couple okay. of years and that was kind of fun i also <laughs> went to i also once went to a boats and hose party and i was like you know i know everyone else at this party is going to expect me to come as come as a pirate but i'm not coming as a pirate i'm coming as a hoe and so i borrowed a dress a boats to and hose. oh no i was like what's a boats and hose party and then yeah, I, it's liter- quite literally boats and hoes. I get it. You, you dress as a hoe or you dress as like someone who's on a boat. And that was I, that was the concept. I was like, you know what? I, everyone's expecting me to come as a pirate. I'm, I'm all about... between the two. I'm always all, about yeah. defying expectations when I can. I mean, you would make a great pirate, though, I think. I mean, oh, no doubt. You have, you have the look. Oh, I have no I doubt think. I could be a great pirate. Yeah, but I think you probably made an equally great hoe. 
I wanted to shock people. Uh, well, not shock, yeah. but just like surprise people, make people like throw off their expectations. And that's why you're probably not boring. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad not to be boring. Probably. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> But uh but yeah, no, like um I think we as a society get very hung up on like gendered stuff and uh, and whatnot. And Yeah, uh, we really do. Um it's it's disheartening. Yeah. Like uh yeah. when I was a child I used to get misgendered all the time because I, I just I had long hair and like rosy cheeks. And just everyone yeah. always thought I was a girl because my hair hung in like little like ringlets. It was well, very annoying. Have... Well, it was <laughs> it was very annoying. Well, I mean, at least you you know you were serving you were serving looks, so that was a, that was a good thing. I, I that is the thing. Like it, I think it made me a little contrarian because like right. like people would tell me, well, if you don't like it, cut your hair, and I'd be like, no, I won't <laughs> cut my hair. Well, I was going to ask, like, how do you think that affected your development growing up? And it, that sounds uh, like uh, you became a contrarian. Well, I, I try not to be a contrarian. I try to, like, because contrarianism has this problem with it where it's just like, you're not really using critical thinking. You're just rejecting things because yeah. you want to be different. Uh, so I try not to be that. But um, it did affect me growing up. Um, right. I, like, most of the time it was fine. Most of the time it was fine. Like someone would misgender me and I'd be like, no, I'm a boy. And they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. But like, especially like a, between the ages of like 10 and 12, this yeah. was a weird period where like people were like, oh no, you're confused. <laughs> you're really? Yeah. That happened to me a couple of times where people would be like, oh no, you're a girl. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I just have long hair. This is ridiculous. Wait, kids and, or adults? Um, I've had both. What? The, fir the first time it was really an issue. Actually, it was my first show at Antic. I was hanging out with these okay. two kids, and they were like, "No, you're a girl," and I was like, "No, I'm a boy." And they tr and they were like, "No, cause, cause, cause boys have snakes and girls have pits, which is the worst of those I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life." Ah. Uh, and like, but I went to the director at the time and told and told them what was happening, and they were like, "Ruben is a boy." End of discussion. And I'll uh, always be grateful to them for that because it was super yeah. aggravating at the time. Uh, but the weirdest one was though is that I was uh, at this conference thing with my mom, and this woman like came up to her to say that tell her that she her she had a beautiful daughter, and it started this whole like back and forth between them because my mom was like, "Oh, thank you, but he's a boy." And the woman was like, you mean a tomboy? <laughs> and the conversation just went back and forth like that with my mom going, no, he's a boy. And her going, well, do you mean? And it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's, um, that's very interesting. I mean, if it's one thing uh, people have in America, it's the audacity. Yeah. The audacity. Yeah. The audacity. Arguing, right. Ar yeah. Arguing <laughs> with my mom. Like... And actually, gonna... that's a that's a big thing that in this like tra uh, in the in the gender argument that's going on right. right now is that like like I I understand that like people have views of the world where they're not going to agree with stuff, but like 
the idea to me that you would like go to work with someone and refuse to acknowledge the gender they want you to acknowledge and then continue to have to work with that person is like the fact that people say that they would do that blows my mind it's like what you're gonna you're gonna take time out of your day with this person to try and argue with them about their life that like it blows my mind that people like seem to believe in that it's like what yeah no i just think it's um their ego losing all sense of control when they don't understand something and and you know the ego is tricky like that because you know it, it tries to gain control by trying to control others and it's like it's really embarrassing and it's very weird and uh they need to have a wake-up call those oh, yeah. kinds of people yeah it's like life is too short for you to be worrying about what trans people are doing give them right. a break yeah it's so ugh narrow-minded and traumatic yeah and it's just there's so much misunderstanding about it right now in our society and it's ridiculous and i mean it is like, ridiculous the one thing i had the one thing i can say is that like some of it feels <laughs> like it comes from this place where like like uh like cis men are just like it's like they hear that someone would want to remove their penis and they just they can't process that like, no. no, that's a nightmare. Not my <laughs> penis. Yeah, it's just, and it just, you know, it, I know that it, for some, I, I can't speak for everybody in, on that issue who feels that way, but yeah, it repulses them. It repulses them. And it's just, it's, oh, I mean, I, I can't understand how you could look at another person and dehumanize them like that. I really don't understand it, but that's because I'm not them. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the dehumanization in this country is really bad right now. I, it's I, really bad. Um, and in other countries, too. But ours, obviously, we live here, so we can mm -hmm. speak on it. Um, yeah. That's an argument I hate, by the way. I always hear, <laughs> I always hear conservatives saying this. Like, whenever yeah. we bring up a problem with either something that's going on with women or something that's going on with, uh, with people in the LGBTQ community, there's always a conservative there going, well, what about in Saudi Arabia? Don't you know how yeah. bad it is for those people in Saudi Arabia? It's like, yeah, we're aware, but we don't live in Saudi Arabia. We'd like we Saudi Arabia to stop sucking, but we can't make that happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, people are, trans people are still being murdered here at a super alarming rate. So that's, your argument's invalid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because people are still dying. Like, what are you talking about? It's and like oh, the thing in Florida just makes me so angry. What's going on in Florida? I oh, just... well, the groomer thing in Florida where they're they're trying to accuse the schools. Oh, have you not heard about this? I don't know. Uh, Refresh my memory. I, OK, I so in Florida, they're passing a bill that a lot of people have labeled the don't say gay bill. Yes, uh, I know where that. Basic, where basically the idea is it's trying to get it's trying to scare schools into repressing conversations about it. Yes. And it's, it's very problematic and it's complete scare tactics because uh, sexual education is already illegal in like the first five grades in Florida. Oh no, I'm sorry. They're, they're, the ban specifically affects like grades one through three, but sexual education is already banned through fifth grade in Florida. It's meaningless yeah. other than the fact that it gives parents an opportunity to, to sue schools 
Yeah, I I did hear about that, and that is atrocious, mm-hmm. absolutely atrocious. Um, and they treat us. I'll say us because I'm a part of that community. They treat us yeah. like we're predators, mm-hmm. and it's it it's mind boggling. I I will never understand it, but yeah, I just I just think that our country it moves three steps forward you know and six steps back or whatever the saying is it's always like that and i at one point you get sick of it especially being in the community you get sick of hearing this stuff i it's traumatic to hear this stuff for not only me but for the people who are suffering this i am bill especially like trans youth and you know it's just it's really sad it's mm-hmm. really sad. Yeah. And and then you got the bills that are the anti trans bills that are going up all over the country, which are ridiculous. I know they got the one yeah. in uh one in Texas. Where they're trying to make gender affirming care a uh a, a a form of child abuse, which like these things are be also being written by people who don't understand the process. I put in some research into it, and like, there's a whole process. And when most people talk about transitioning with children, they're talking about yeah. social transitioning, which is just the idea of using their the pronouns they want to use. Right. And like, that's how you figure it out. That's how you figure out if you really are trans is by yeah. socially transitioning first. It's one of the requirements in the UK before medically transitioning is that you have right. to socially transition first. And there's so many doctors involved, and there's so many stages, and, like, a lot of people actually get rejected from it and are told they don't have the condition of, yeah. of dysphoria. And, but, the, but the conservative mindset on this is to, is to push it because they need a target, and that's what it feels like. It feels like they need a target to, like, build themselves up so that they can have an agenda. Absolutely. And that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I have other words for it other than terrifying. I mean, it is terrifying that what what's going on and what's going on with it in the country. Ohio just passed this goddamn stupid. Actually, is it passed yet or is it still? I don't know. But like the sports one. Yes, I heard about that. It's fucking stupid. And it's it's embarrassing to live here when when that kind of thing happens. Oh, yeah. You know, it's embarrassing. Like, and like, none of these programs are thought through. And I talk about this all the time. So my listeners are probably like, Ruben, shut the fuck up. But like, <laughs> but like, that goddamn bill is just going to result in like, tons of false claims from bitter losers. Like it, like literally, have you, have you heard what, how it works? Um, I think so. Look, why don't you talk about it? I, because so, I, yeah. Basically, if 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 a girl is like in a sport and they're competing and yeah. they feel like they lost unfairly, they can request confirmation that another athlete was born with a oh. vagina. And this involves like actually getting like a athletic doctor to check them. Yes, I did hear about that and um that's like the creepiest thing i've oh yeah probably heard in terms of laws uh at not least like right that. now <laughs> yeah not only that but in terms of people getting molested in, in like the in situations like 
groups that we know like tend to be a problem with are it's frequently PE teachers. And it's and like we are there was a huge scandal recently with like more than one athletics doctor who was molesting like young athletes. And oh and yet God. the goal <laughs> the, the plan here is, well, we're gonna put them in a room with an athletic doctor who's gonna check out their genitals. And it's like, what? What? Yeah. What? I, is this some kind of crazy, like dark comedy sort of fucking shit? You know, it's like, what are you? You're so hypocritical at this point. It's mm-hmm. not even funny. And and like even even like if you go back to the bathroom bills, like you want to police the bathrooms? Like what the fuck are you doing? You can't That's police so, yeah. bathrooms. That's gonna be bad for everyone. It's gonna be especially anyone fuck? who's like naturally androgynous. Naturally androgynous people will just be utterly victimized in that situation. Absolutely. And, and then you're gonna have, and then also it's gonna be like, well, we gotta force that. Also, like trans men are gonna be forced into women's bathrooms, and some of the trans men are gonna have penises. It's just, it's, it's nonsense. It doesn't make it's, any it's sense. It's nonsense. It's nonsense, and I can't believe this is what we allow our country to be run by. Uh, yeah. I, I hope that there is change in this country eventually. I just, it's, it's a really dark time in American, uh, in the American timeline. Oh, right yeah. Now. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, well, <sighs> let's, let's lighten the mood. Let's lighten let's the mood. Li- yeah, let's switch it up. I was just thinking that. I was like, let's, well, maybe okay, we're depressing so the what's something? What's something that's really great about being? Uh, what's something that's positive about being in uh, in the gay community? Um, yeah. What's What's positive? Um, I'm sure there's millions of things, but just you know, something to lighten the mood. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I mean, I think uh, the sense of community. I'll say the sense of community that people uh, get it, it is. It's phenomenal. I mean, if you don't, if your parents and your family and whoever's in your life, if they're, if they're rejecting you for who you are, um, you can find a family within the LGBTQIA community. Uh, all you have to do is go to your local dive bar, your local gay dive bar, and you can find some friends. Uh, but that's what I've noticed um, is that, especially locally, um yeah what's, what's ohio like ohio um sorry my uh my you earbuds were like messing up uh okay. so in ohio uh the community very tight-knit because it's small and because of that people come out every single week just to see their friends i mean it's not about going out and partying or going out and you know whatever, like getting drunk, playing pool, like, like in, you know, quote unquote, straight bars. It's more so, you know, mm-hmm. let's get together and have a potluck. Let's get together and watch the drag show every Friday and uh, see our friends. And I, I think that's a great thing. Uh, I don't go out a lot. I'm more of like a recluse and a, mm-hmm. a homebody, you know, I, I understand. 100%. I don't, I... yeah, well, I know that you do. I think we can kind of relate in that way. <laughs> I want to go out, but I've already got on the comfortable pants, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as we millennials say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, I, I think there's a wonderful sense of community 
Yeah, I just really, I don't take advantage of it. <laughs> I'm I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a nerd, you know, at home playing my video games or, you know, uh, watching my movies. I need to get out more though. But I will say that's a great thing about the community. So nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did I, did I ask you how you started in drag? I, no, I don't think so. You asked me how I started at improv, but in drag, uh, I I started out kind of as a bedroom drag queen. Okay, so what's a what's a bedroom drag queen? What is what what is what would our audience? Yeah, so a bedroom drag queen is a uh, it's a person who who wants to do drag, and and they do they they practice the makeup, they put on the makeup, put on the outfits, the wigs. But instead of going out to the bar and performing, um, they're taking cool pictures or they're, um, you know, filming videos for YouTube or whatever, TikTok. Uh, So they don't really step out of the bedroom, per se, to go perform drag. They're performing in their bedroom. And so I kind of started doing that because at the time I was living in Chicago and... uh, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities in Chicago, but, you know, as as baby drag queens, mm-hmm. you don't really find a lot of opportunities. You kind of already have to be established and you have to, like, know people in order to, like, get into the shows. So that's how I started out. I started out in the bedroom. I practiced my makeup for, like, I want to say, like, a year or two before I ever started performing. And my first ever drag performance was in... I don't even remember the town name, but it was in the middle of the desert in California. <laughs> and uh, I, I wasn't literally like in sand performing, mm-hmm. but- uh, I understand. Yeah, but I was at this like little bar in the middle of nowhere. And it was, oh my God, it was like such a blast. My first performance, uh, it was to Gina G's Ooh Ah Just a Little Bit from the nineties. Great song, great club song. And uh yeah, I was, they had like a, a runway because it was like, well, I think it was like, uh, it was some like catering building. So it was just like long tables just like pushed together and they made it like this catwalk, which was like really dangerous. I don't know why they did that. Uh, but uh, I just remember like battling it, battling it out in a competition and the grand prize was a wig, which is so funny. Um, but yeah, I did almost a uh, polka girl out with my six inch stilettos or a polka girl, <laughs> polka girls, uh, polka girl out, polka girls eye out <laughs> wow. with my six inch stilettos. So that was memorable. I'm glad I didn't. Um, but I might've had one too many, you know, sex on the beaches that night, I think. So <laughs> that would have, that would have been, uh, quite, quite a situation. <laughs> that would have been the end of Terra, the beginning of paradise and the end of paradise. <laughs> That would have been jail. <laughs> my first, well, my first drag experience ended in a traumatic event. Oh no! What happened? Well, I poked a girl's eye out with uh, with my stilettos, and then I had to go to jail. That would I don't be do a... drag anymore, mainly because the lawyer says I'm. Mainly because the judge says I'm no not allowed near stilettos anymore. Yeah, I have stiletto probation. <laughs> like when, like when criminals get banned from the internet for their for like yeah. <laughs> I have to go to every shoe store and tell them, hey, 
I did this with shoes and you, I, I, you have to know about it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you can't sell me high heels unless they're flats. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I am well, a stiletto actually, what offender. The for the, what is the term for the heel when it's like not pointy, when it's like the... Oh, like flats? Yeah. Like, oh, it is flats. Okay. Yeah, flats. I thought yeah. flats is when it had no heel at all, but okay. Yeah, well, what are you, are you talking about wedges? Are well, you talking like, like the platform? Um, I guess platform. I guess, I just mean like, because like some, some heeled shoes, the heel. Yeah. is pointy. It Like the stiletto is pointy, but some heels, it's not pointing. Is Yeah. Certain. Are those is there a difference? Um, I would I would say um, the one without the point, like the hard point, mm -hmm. is usually like a pump, okay. like pumps, and then stilettos mostly have the sharp. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. <laughs> well, I guess you can't because there's no like comment section or anything. But anyways, they can technically uh, leave me a voicemail. Yeah, you should leave Ruben <laughs> a voicemail if Don't. I'm wrong about stilettos. <laughs> Go go to Anchor and leave me a voicemail correcting us on our shoe terminology. Please, we need education. Yes, I'll put it in a future episode. <laughs> but uh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, just just to sum up my drag journey, I uh, I moved back to Akron, and I did drag here uh, for you know for a long time. I went like five years i did it at the interbelt i've done it in cleveland um canton all over and um i'm actually on a hiatus right now from drag uh i'm not done with it but uh i i'm kind of focusing on theater more right now i i'm kind of in my actor mode so uh but drag will never leave me i will always be whoopee cushion she will always be in me and i probably will go back to drag sooner than later i i would say but i did drag for a long time so i think uh, a break is warranted fair yeah i mean you gotta you gotta sometimes you gotta take breaks from things to to get that energy back you know like absolutely to go back to it and you, you gotta forget for a minute what you love about it so you can go back to it and rediscover what you love about it Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I, you know, that's how I felt with um, improv too. So I'm glad we got a little break from it mm -hmm. just because uh, not that I was sick of it or anything, but I felt like I needed to go away from it in order to appreciate it more, I think. And that, and it, yeah, that happens in life. Sometimes, sometimes that happens. You sometimes apps, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder, but uh, they also say right. out of sight, out of mind, which is confusing. Those are contradictory. Right. Explain yourself. It just depends on how your ADHD works. <laughs> true, true. Mine is obsessive. <laughs> uh, my ADHD works like, I don't know, like sometimes I, my real problem is that sometimes I don't think about things when I'm not doing them. And that's a real problem for me because yeah. I know I'll have like a thing to do, but then I, but then it will just keep getting put off because I'm not thinking about it. And then I'll yeah. be thinking about it and I'll be like, oh no, I need to do that. And you'll, I'll be like, Ruben, it's two o'clock in the morning. You need to go to bed. And I'll, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll forget about it if I don't do it now. 
Exactly. Exactly. I understand completely. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, you're oh you're Chicago troop. Were you a uh, long form yeah. or short form? Uh, we were. Oh, good question. We were. We were short form. We were not long form. We were short form. Cool. Um, so. God, it was so long ago. It was like 10 years ago. No, like 12 years ago. Um, yeah, but we were mostly short form. I think we did some long form. Uh, we also did a, a really cool festival up there. It was called Sketchfest. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. The name it sounds was like, familiar. Yeah, Sketchfest. It was like a it was like a big thing in Chicago for that that community. Oh, I'm not and, surprised. Oh yeah, it was so fun um, and such a great venue because they they held it at uh, Second City, I think, and it was it was so fun. I got to play Tyra Banks in a sketch. <laughs> um, I, I got to. I got to play so many cool characters. I love sketch comedy. I I wish I wish I could do it around here. I think it's a lot of fun. Have you ever done sketch comedy? Yeah, I've done some sketch comedy. Um, it is a lot of fun. The only th sketch comedy takes more uh, more prep, more production. Fun. Yeah, like you need people to work with you, and then you need to write it out, and you need to rehearse it again and again and again. And then you, yeah. then you got to put it on for the performance. And it's, I do more of it, but it's, it's just one of those things where like, it takes a lot of, you got to have some people, you got to have some time, you got to have some. some yeah, focus. totally. You know, I think we could get away with doing it a, a one day. Uh, just go with it. I mean, we're, oh, you know. Oh yeah, probably. I would I love to do that one day. Oh. I'm just throwing it out there, you know, <laughs> just saying, you know, no pressure. <laughs> No, no pressure no pressure at all no. uh, but uh so like what are do you have any and do you have any favorite um games that stand out in your mind when it comes to to improv oh well i think um i think my favorite game in improv is the one where we create our environment and then um we create scenes based on that environment i forget what's that called i space I'm and so time or time space and space, and, time time and space. And space. I, I think that's my favorite game that is a good one i really enjoy yeah. that one that just go if it does um i think i think we are really successful at it for some reason <laughs> well it's just a fun idea to explore the character of a location like it what really is. Like what could this location mean to different people and whatnot? What, what kind of what kind of lives have lived in this? Let's see, or soda fountain shop, or excuse me. Yeah, there's so much creativity um, that you could really create. Well, wait, there's so much creativity in in that game. Yeah, I really love it. Yeah, no, that's what, a good one. What that about is... you? What's your favorite? You know, man, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I've played so many games. Um, I know that my favorite short form game is probably uh, Shift Left. I used to call it Shift Right, but uh, with the state of the country, I've gone to calling it Shift Left because we gotta let's, uh, see if we can do some magic there. 
If you think it, it can happen. Yeah, you know, I mean, manifestation is so like trendy right now. So hopefully, hopefully that's real. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Although I will say, sometimes you talk to people and they they take manifestation too far. It's like, it's like, man, ever even if manifestation is real, then e- then everyone's constantly doing it. Well, I don't like I don't like that whole you know discussion. You know, and, and the secret. This is. I don't know if you've oh, heard yeah. of The Secret, that book. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when it takes it too far because then they start like gaslighting and blaming, like victim blaming people. Like, yes. oh, well, you, yeah, you were negative. So you let that negative thing happen to you. That's when it's like, okay, you're doing too much. Mm-hmm. Like that person did not deserve to go down in that plane crash, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause like the thing is, is that like they're not, like they would, the person who's manifesting that activity is not necessarily the only person manifesting. Like if you if you're gonna believe in manifesting, then that would mean that everyone's manifesting. And if everyone is manifesting, then it means that you are being affected by other people's manifestations. So like if uh, someone wants to manifest something negative against you, that's not your fault. Right? Yeah. I mean, where where, where does the line um, where where yeah. is the line drawn? Is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Yeah. Where where does my, where do my manifestations end and someone else's begin? like that's yeah that's that would be my problem with the theory like i'm not saying that we can't manifest things i'm just saying like like if manifestation is real then like obviously it's kind of a tug of war <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh, i mean maybe that's the case in, in in certain ways but yeah i mean i don't i don't think it works like magic i just think that like it, it motivates you to go after what you want, you know, yes. if you think about it a lot. And I think that's what it is, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, like, that's, that's what makes the most sense to me. I mean, like, visualization is is a powerful tool for for motivating people and getting and, and um, getting certain activities done. And uh, so that's definitely valuable. Yeah. And, like, some people, it helps them to, like, write down all the things they want to accomplish or whatnot. So, like, it's not that this things the secrets are telling us are necessarily all bad but like when it sells itself it's like it's like a magic trick or like pseudo spiritualism then it's kind of like what (laughs) right exactly and you know it's funny because uh my mother she's she loves that the secret book and i think she really believes that she believes that you know she can get a million dollars if she you know, remains positive at all times. So, uh, I mean, hey, believe in your dreams, but mm-hmm. uh, also come back to reality. Yeah. Because, like, the thing is, negative emotions are are sometimes trying to tell us things. Yeah, I think so, you know. I mean, like, we, I mean, like, obviously, we don't want to get trapped in our negative emotions and, and make ourselves a cage of, of hellish regret. But uh, at the same time, like, how would you know if you're being screwed over if you can't get angry about things? How would you, right. how would you appreciate um, the happy moments in life if you hadn't also been through those heartbreaking ones and whatnot? Exactly. Yeah. I, um, you know, there there is such thing as toxic positivity, in my opinion. And oh, totally. I. Uh, I don't, I don't like it. I, you know, I mean, I think life is a balance of, um, you know, positive and negative. And 
And I don't, I don't think you should deny your negative feelings just because society told you if you don't think positive, you won't get what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not realistic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not sitting here telling people that they need to wallow in their own suffering, but like the no, idea no, of... definitely not. Get help if you are suffering. Yeah, exactly. On this program, we're pro therapy. Pro therapy, indeed. You know, I've been in and out of therapy for. 10 plus years and uh i i am the biggest advocate of therapy and i i think everyone should have a therapist and i think we should be in therapy at all times i mean life is fucking hard (laughs) yes it is so let's 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 all have a therapy partner you know i don't know maybe maybe i don't know i have found that like therapy itself is also a learning process because i've been to therapy a number of yeah. different times and like each each new time i would go to therapy there'd be like this i would realize more things that i should be telling my therapist like the first time i went to therapy i was a teenager i didn't really know what i was supposed to be doing there i thought therapists were going to tell me what i needed to do or what i needed to hear and it wasn't really like that and yeah. then then in college, I, I got into therapy again because college was give, offering me free therapy. Uh, and Same. I'm with student people, but, you know, still it's something. And, like, then, yeah. I, like then I had a better idea of what was important to tell a person. And, like, I got – and, like, it was helpful. And then later – and now I'm in therapy again. And now I have an even better idea of what's important to tell your therapist. And it's, it's, it was just been a learning process. Absolutely. Um, I just realized what I said before, it sounded like I was trivial, trivializing therapy. And I definitely was not. So I just want to throw that out there. Oh, no, um, absolutely. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, there is a lot of work that goes into therapy. And, um, and it's not just um, them telling you what you want to hear. It's you doing the work and you figuring it out on your own, which is so interesting. Cause I, you know, I think we all start out like that, like, Oh, we're going to, you know, they're going to say what we are. And it's like, no, you have to figure it out for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. and they're just here to guide you. Absolutely. Um, and uh, which Therapists is a good are a thing. lot more neutral than you expect them to be. Yeah. Like, like you, expect they're very them. neutral. Yeah. Like they, they, their main goal is to get you to see yourself not not for them to tell you what you're doing wrong so much absolutely yeah which can be you know kind of can be scary sometimes but but it's i think at the end of the you know therapy when you you know reach a certain point i mean it's rewarding mm-hmm. because absolutely. uh obviously you you know you you can feel confident that you can rely on yourself to see you for who you really are and mm-hmm and and what you need to do in your life in order to get to a better you know place i suppose absolutely yeah so many people should be in therapy that are not in therapy right now i think yeah i think the people who need it most are never going to go to therapy i do i do believe that uh completely completely probable um just, just based on baby boomer facebook posts i can tell you like 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 i don't know what it is with like and i've seen some gen x people doing this too but like whenever i see posts where it's like they like list 
a bunch of things that kids don't do anymore or disciplinary things that aren't done to kids anymore and they'll be like i survived spankings and i survived lead and i survived no seatbelts, and i survived and it's just like a list of like different like <laughs> things that are no longer acceptable they survived and it's yeah. just like at a certain and it's just like like the one that caught my eye the most was like you survived lead <laughs> like, that's not a that's not a win man that's, are they putting that on their post now it's in the I post, I, the, I the post i saw one of them was i forget what it said lead in paint i think is what it said or something like that it was lead in something and maybe in gas but like still like this well, at least is not they're admitting it uh, yeah but it's not it's not the w they think it is it's it's no, a it's, it's a big old l like it's hilarious. Yeah, they're like so proud to have survived this stuff. And you know what? It's great that they did, but that's not something to be proud of. And that's not something to, you know, gaslight people and use that as a tool to gaslight them with. You know, it's not it's not cool. That is, see, that is the number one thing that bothers me is that like a lot of these people who put up this stuff, like they're not thinking about what they're actually saying. Like, no, not at all. Yeah. Like, what are you? Like, uh, I saw someone, one that pissed me off was this one guy posted something about, I'm proud to say I've never been on unemployment. And like, <laughs> and like, the thing about that one is like, I, I, to be fair, I've never, I've never signed up for unemployment myself either. But yeah. like, I don't think that's a thing to be proud of. Like, what do you mean? Right. You've oh, never, gosh. You've yeah, never okay. signed up for unemployment. That's not a win. <laughs> that's not a that's not even yeah. a thing that I would consider like, like that's like putting up a thing that says I've never had to change a flat tire on my car because I've never had a flat tire. It's like what? <laughs> that's, that's just it's not a thing. You didn't do anything to win that. You're just grasping at straws for what you could be proud of for yourself. Yeah, and what like, what are you doing? People who want to be proud of this stuff don't understand that like either. A, it's not really a thing to be proud of, and B, that like to everyone on the outside, it looks like you're saying it looks like you're casting shame on people who have. Because like, yeah. why else would you say this? <laughs> <laughs> right. I I just I don't know. Again, it just goes back to that the ego needing some sort of control, and and that's just another way for those people to control like their narrative. Mm -hmm. Like I'm better than people who have unemployment i i work so hard it's like that's great but you're not better than anyone mm -hmm. ralph you know yeah like, everyone it's all about your options and choices you make and not everyone is aware of the same options and not everyone is has the same options and, and people just don't seem to understand that they don't under, they don't want to understand it because yeah i mean their 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 mindset is very narrow it just is and that's sad that's very sad because that that hurts us, you know, in, in the big picture of America, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, so. my God. That just reminds me. I I was on my way back from my way to work this morning. I was listening to NPR, and they were talking about the rise of uh, Christian nationalism in our country. And it's just like, oh, these fucking people. Oh. And, like, yeah. I don't like to – I don't – I don't really, I'm not really a, a big, I don't like to shit on religion hugely, but like, 
job. These trad cons got to stop. <laughs> Separation just... of church and state. What oh, are you not hearing? Absolutely. It's so it's so crazy right now. And uh, it's very concerning. And yeah. <sighs> Fuck Clarence Thomas, too. Fuck that. <laughs> Clarence Thomas, yes. Oh, God, it's only a matter of time for they start coming for more rights. It's not good. It, yeah. I, it's just, it's it's deflating. That's, that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. It's deflating. And it's, and like, the whole thing is so stupid. Like, it just, it's mind-boggling. Like, yeah. because the problem with traditionalist conception is that it's it's about traditionalism is about cherry picking the past it's about saying hey we want to bring back this thing from the past regardless of what the consequences regardless of what the fringe consequences of that thing are right oh you want to you want to you want to bring back the good stuff from the past well then maybe we should tax the rich like we did in the 50s you know, oh. our economy was great. You, yeah. You never want to talk about how high taxes were on rich people in that time period because they were real, real high. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that actually. That's oh yeah, no. Eisenhower. Eisenhower had like a ninety-something percent tax. Um. On now, to be fair, that's like after a hundred and twenty, a hundred. I forget what the. I don't know what the tax brackets were in the in the fifties, so I can't, so I shouldn't actually say any numbers. But like that was for the rich. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't understand how taxes work because the truth of the matter is that taxes are bracketed, and what that means is that you pay a certain amount of taxes on the first bracket, and then you pay a certain amount of taxes on the next bracket. And basically, when we say, "Oh, they have ninety six percent taxes on the rich," what we mean is, is that after a certain amount. The rich people were paying 96% taxes on that larger amount. Okay, gotcha. And uh, yeah. and people don't seem to realize that is that in that time period of the 50s, we had super high taxes on rich people. Yeah. The economy was going great. People were having babies. There was these other things. But, like, they always want to bring it back to, what about the nuclear family, which is... Uh, which is not a natural occurrence. Um, it's it's 100% a construct. It's nonsense. Like, I've heard that, yeah. Like, so, like, the concept of the nuclear family, there's only one time period where that occurs naturally, and it's frontier living. Because okay. that's the only situation where you would, before industrialization, that was the only situation where you would, like, cut yourself off from the larger family. Right. Because... The truth of the matter is, is that throughout history, most like accumulation of wealth and property and power has been through the family. And the nuclear family divides this so that now your wealth is separate from your parents' wealth, which is separate from your wealth, which is separate from your kids' wealth, which is separate from your brother's wealth. But it used to be because the thing we don't tell you in America is that family is a form of incorporation. And that's really what marriage is about. The right to share property. Yeah. Okay, and that so, makes sense. So, like, that's the real reason that, like, they, like, I'm sure there's plenty of, ooh, Christians, no, they're ruining marriage. Christians, you don't own marriage. Every civilization has marriage. Let's not, 
like every developed civilization <laughs> has some form of marriage. Like yeah, yeah, even yeah. undeveloped cultures have, done, have forms of marriage. Christians do not own marriage. You can't say that someone else's marriage is hurting your marriage. You did, you did not invent marriage. Christians yeah. did not invent marriage. It is not yours. You don't own it. Stop acting like you have a right to be offended by this. But don't they own everything? It, it seems like it. I don't know. Well, they, they own a lot of things, at least in America. Yeah. At least in America. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a thing that's been bugging me. Cause I heard, I heard two, I heard, I watch a lot of debates online. I, I was listening to some people debating some topics and this guy kept bringing, bringing up like how this was an offense to like traditional marriages and the other, and like, it's like, no, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Traditional? Christians don't own marriages. What about pagans who want... What about pagan marriages and Buddhist marriages? And yeah. What about those pirate marriages that happen? Have you ever heard about pirate marriages? No. What are pirate marriages? Well, pirates... Oh, excuse me. I just... Need some water? No, I just regurgitated some lemonade into the back of my nose. <laughs> Gotta love acid reflux. Yeah, so, oh God, yeah, acid reflux sucks. Uh, oh, but yeah, I know. <laughs> note to self: lemonade from Chipotle, no acid reflux. Lemonade from Panera, acid reflux. Uh, Good but, to know. Good to know. Or at least in my experience, from what from what I'm experiencing now. Um, what was yeah. I saying? All right, so pirates used to actually have gay marriages all the time. Oh, you know, I have heard that. Yeah. Uh, because once again, it was about sharing property, uh, including uh, there's like also lots of stories of like how like pirates would get married and then like share prostitutes together. And stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. That yeah. sounds amazing. So like <laughs> so like uh, so like the pirates were pirates were very like seemingly pansexual. Uh, but Yeah. But, like, yeah, so, like, pirates used to have gay marriages all the time, but, like, of course, they were recognized by pirate people, but. Um, right, but, yeah, they don't own marriage, you know? Yeah, like, Christians don't own marriage. Like, that's, that's, and the that's a great point. point. You know, I, I never even thought of, thought about it like that. Oh, yeah, every culture has some, like, almost every culture has some form of marriage. True. So, so to stand here and then be like, this, this is our thing is just absolute bullshit. Well, isn't that the whole thing of Christianity? And again, not to shit on people who are Christians, because there are cool Christians. <laughs> they're, you know, more liberal Christians, yada, yada. And, uh, but isn't that a lot of, you know, Christianity is being complete narcissists <laughs> who think that they, they own like everything and that everything is all about them and their God. And they don't even want to acknowledge other, you know, religions. It's just all about them. I mean, it it does it does vary from uh, from it varies. Uh, I know sect that to sect, but uh, but yeah, no, like that's actually the thing I don't understand specifically about religion in America right now. Yeah, is that somehow, like conservatism, is out here claiming that they are the individual, like they're the ones representing individualism. Right, and the thing about that is that individualism is. Like, it's like they don't understand how any of, like, the ideologies or concepts go together. And, like, individualism, 
for for the people who claim to be individualist, they they push a lot of conformity. Like I don't know if you've noticed this about conservatives, but there's like there's clearly a, a, a block of conservatives who like their major thing is just conformity. Well, we don't have a problem with black people if they act like us. And we don't have a problem with gay people if they act like us. And we don't have a like there's that section of like it's clearly like what they really want is just everyone to look and act the same in public. Absolutely. Like, that that's clearly that conservative block. And then of course you have the conservative blocks that are straight up homophobic and racist. And you have people that are just easily misled and confused and don't know shit about anything. Yeah. Those, those tend to be the groups. But, like, the thing that bothers me is this move towards individualism by conservatives. Because, like, the only real individualist conservative philosophy is shit like Ayn Rand. Um, that's, like, her. she's the only real conservative um, individualist. Um, and even oh. then, her philosophies are trash. I'll just say <laughs> But like, yeah. but like the ideas of an enforced religion is anti-individualist. The idea of trying to put gay and trans people in their place is, in, is anti-individualist. Like if yeah. you can't stand up for like the people who are different from the majority of society, then you are not really an individualist. You are actually pushing for less individualism in our society. You just yeah. happen to think that it should be enforced by negative cultural interactions instead of the government. And that's... Yeah. That's and the that's thing. where the fallacy is. Right. That, yeah. They, they think... They have this belief that we society, by acknowledging homosexuality, is encouraging it. Because, of course, mm. they still think that people... That this is a choice and whatnot they do they they will believe anything that they want to believe never mind the fact that the science kind of indicates you can't just convince someone that they're trans like there's that whole thing with uh john Moneypenny, who did those i don't know if you've heard of that guy uh no he never did he was a fucked up dude who did some crazy he's like a mad scientist from our history and whatnot but he's he, there was this situation where twins were born, and one of them had a fucked up circumcision. Like, it yeah. fucked up their penis. And so the doc, so the scientist was like, okay, I'll adopt these children, but we're going to raise this... We're going we're gonna to give this infant who has had a botched uh, circumcision, we're going to give them a vagina yeah. um, surgically, and then we're going to raise them as a girl. And so essentially he, he had the, the control, which was the, the twin who wasn't changed, and then he had the, the twin who was. And the yeah. thing was is that that twin experienced gender dysphoria. They knew on some level they recognized that they had not been born, or on some level they didn't feel connected to the body that they had been given surgically. Right. Um, now, a lot of anti-trans people ironically seem to point to this test, which is, by the way, not a, which is kind of an inhumane test, but, but still, like, the, obviously, there's something going on up here that's related. Otherwise, why would this child have had reason to question what was going on with their body? Yeah. So, obviously, trans people have something going on that the rest of us can't see. And that's why we need to stop 
it's, it's just the idea that yeah. people are being groomed to be these things is nonsense. Yes. The, I, I, have you heard this social contagion bullshit? No. What is that? Okay, so social contagion is a real thing, but typically social contagion speaks to the idea of the spread of like ideas and trends and fads. But yeah. the thing is, is that Republicans are trying to take this concept and put it on this thing to say that children will easily be confused into being gay or trans. But the thing of the matter is, is that that fails to understand that anyone, anyone who is even remotely pulled in by social contagion is going to grow out of it. Right. Like fads and phases just pass. Okay, so it's it's just a phase, that sort of thing. Okay. So, so what well, what they're saying is that no, you can be tricked into this, but like there are oh. some people who go out and they experiment, and at the end of the day, they're like, you know what, I experimented. I guess I guess I'm not really like that, and then they just go about their lives. And the thing is, if we were to buy the social contagion thing, that's all that would happen to people. Yeah. They would experiment and they'd be like, no, nah, wasn't for me. Like, that's what the social contagion would lead to. So the idea that this is going to cause a permanent effect on people is just absurdity. It is absurdity and stu stupidity. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind me asking, when did you know that you were gay? I knew I was gay. Um, well, it's that's a complicated question because... I, there was, I, I remember when, uh, like, I was in denial, like, for the first time, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, uh, when I was, I think when I was uh, in third grade, I had a, I had a, a crush on my classmate. And uh, I, I guess from then on, I knew, but it was an immediate denial. You know, like, no, like, like, I'm not, I'm not. And it was just like, it was this blatant denial on my behalf. And uh, I think when I finally like admitted it to myself, uh, I, I was in high school, I was 17. And uh, I was talking to somebody who was outing me to myself, you know, and it, it was on uh, AOL, AOL chat, which is so <laughs> funny, because it's <laughs> dating me but uh but yeah so uh they were just like oh you're gay and I'm like wait what are you talking about no I'm not and he was like yes you are and it was just like this back and forth and finally I was like oh, I guess I am and it was just kind of like such like a very momentary easy transition into oh wow maybe I am bi and I said I was bi for like a day and then the very next day I I was like, no, I'm gay. <laughs> I remember telling my friend, uh, I don't know if you know, her name is Katie Markovich. She was in the theater community, but uh, she, I was like, I'm bi, Katie. And she's like, oh, that's great. And then the very next day, I'm like, I'm gay, Katie. And she's like, oh, that's great. You know, so <laughs> she was supportive no matter what I was, straight, bi, or gay. But, uh, but yeah, that's, and exactly. So that's, that's like my coming out story. And then, you know, I, when I told my mom, that was like, that was, that was, that was a hard moment, but that, that's a different story. Okay. So, yeah. All right. 
So like I do like one of my I will say one of my early memories of you yeah. was um was in the Laramie project. Okay. And, and um so I would I was I was already doing comedy and stuff then, so I was kind of a huckster. Um uh, but like I think you've told me this before. I think but, I have. But, but, but like, please please tell it again. So like essentially there's this moment where I think uh two of our characters like hugged or something, but like we were in practice, so like I thought it'd be funny, so I like hitched one leg up around you, like it was a, like it was a, like it was a more like romantic thing, and like uh -huh. you immediately pulled back from me. Oh shit! Like yeah. holy shit! Oh my god, that sounds so funny. I mean, to be I... fair, you would have been like, like what, fifteen at the time or something? Yeah, I was. I was fifteen. Yeah. So like you weren't there yet. You. <laughs> I was not, but you know what? Yeah, obviously there was some sort of, uh, I don't know. Yeah, obviously like repelling of like, wait a minute, this is wrong. Like I, you know, cause I, I grew up in the Christian church, uh, in the Baptist church. Oof. And obviously, you know, I was told that, you know, being gay was a sin. And I think I, I had that in my mind. It wasn't just like that I wasn't out yet. I think it was like, religion and like my upbringing with religion telling me like no that's wrong and I think that obviously that was probably why I was in denial for so long I might have come out well other than like you know everyone being homophobic in the early 2000s I I uh I think religion is what kept me in the closet and religion was probably why I pushed away from you in that moment because I was like no that's too gay for me <laughs> gay is wrong even though it was just like you being silly and we're literally in a play about a, a gay man <laughs> and which was the ironic part yeah I was I don't even know what I was thinking back then that was so long ago like I I want to like get into my brain at 15 and go what on earth am I thinking about this gay play <laughs> I think that I just thought like oh, this is serious. This is a serious, um, important topic, but it has nothing to do with me, you know? Even though I knew in the back of my head, because, I mean, you know, not to get TMI, but, like, porn, like, we're, we're all, you know, uh, experimenting with porn back then. So, I mean, come on, I knew, because I was yeah. experimenting with that, you know? So it's just weird. The brain is weird. It's oh, a yeah. weird thing. Absolutely. Especially I at that age. Yeah, even though I would just, I'm going through a lot of like self like reflection stuff these days. But like, yeah. But like, even as a person who I would define as most likely straight, I I was also uncomfortable with my sexuality from religion. Um, you were. I was. Yeah. No. Like I I like I didn't have a girlfriend until I was like uh, eighteen, and like. I remember, I remember it because they invited me to their their high school prom, and like I remember telling my mom, I was like, "So this girl asked me to prom," and I was so embarrassed for no oh, reason. Wow. It was is very. <laughs> I was very like hesitant, like to reveal anything about me that might be somewhat sexual, um, and, which was weird because like I, I I've always had like a very like lots of sexual things going on in my mind, but like at the same time, like I don't. Like, is a part of me that like very much. I don't want to tell anyone about it because I'm ashamed. <laughs> oh and, wow! Uh, yeah, no, it was weird. Um, 
and I actually, it, it's weird because I actually don't know entirely where that came from, but just like any, like there was a period of my life where like any type of that expression was like something that I like kind of repressed for some reason. And like part yeah. of me sometimes thinks it was a Catholic thing, but like another right. part of me is like, maybe, I don't know. Don't know where it came <laughs> from. Uh, yeah, it could be, could be. I mean, I have to assume because like I remember, <laughs> I remember as a teenager going to like one of these meetups where like two adults got on stage and like told us about how like you want to wait until you're married to have sex. Oh and, like, no! And, and like it was just like we'd played all these icebreaker games with other teens, and like I don't even know what the point of it was supposed to be. Like you can have fun without sex, kids. Maybe that was it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, what was going on there? Yeah, what was the point of that? Yeah, no, yep, no, just, we don't believe in condoms, so we really don't want you to have sex, kids. Oh my gosh. I don't know. But, ironically, ironically, Catholic churches are interesting, because, like, Catholic churches can be all over the place. Like, you can go to a Catholic church, and you can walk in, and it's like, oh god, they're scary as hell! Or you can walk into a Catholic church, and they can be super liberal. It's, it's very, like, you can't, Yeah. you don't know with Catholics like this. How seriously scary will this church be? It might be very right. scary, or it might be very chill. You don't know. <laughs> I didn't know that about Catholicism, you know, because I, I don't really know uh, many practicing Catholics, so I, I had no idea. I always went with the stereotype that it's just very strict and very um, Catholics conservative. Catholics can be very strict. Um, yeah. That is a thing. Most people who go to Catholic school do not continue being Catholic. Catholic yeah. school does not encourage Catholicism. <laughs> that is my, like, everyone I've ever talked to that went to Catholic school is no longer a practicing religious person. Like, yeah. Catholic school needs to get its shit together. They are, they are not selling the product. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, so but I've yeah. heard myself. But, yeah, no, Catholicism is actually ranked as, like, the second most, according to, well, according to the United Church of Christ, which is the most, progressive of all christian denominations um they did a rank it this might be this is seriously outdated data though like at one point catholics were rated like the second most progressive um of the christian groups but um, oh wow well i mean they actually do have a history of it um like there were a lot of catholics who opposed the vietnam war was a big thing um Mm -hmm. there's actually a bunch of activist nuns who actually were going around the country trying to convince people they should not vote for Trump uh, during the the last election cycle. Um, I remember one of my favorite, weirdly one of my favorite moments from church was actually my mom took me to this special like event was going on at the church, and it was basically these nuns who came down to like tell us to basically teach us about how the government, specifically under George H W Bush, had funded this thing called the School for Americas. Uh, which was essentially them training guerrilla war fighters to like in combat in like some Central American country where they ended up like slaughtering tons of civilians. And, and like the, wow. the nuns were like, this is bad. You should know about it. So like Catholicism can be all over the place. Like there are very progressive yeah. Catholics, but then there are also total tradcon Catholics. Yeah. Uh, which for anyone listening who doesn't know, that's traditional conservatives who are conservatives who believe in traditionalist values as their major focus. 
Yeah. <sighs> who are very interesting? Who are the worst? They're the <laughs> trad cons are the worst. Uh, I just like I I discovered there's like a weird pocket actually in the LGBT community community um, who actually maybe they're not even considered a pocket of this, but there are specifically some trans women who want who want that tradcon life. They want to inhabit the tradcon wife persona, and these oh, people wow. are strangely conservative. Um, like, I saw a debate with this girl called, uh, called Rose Mullet, and she, absolute fruitcake. Um, <laughs> like, because, like, I, I'm always a little bit weirded out when I meet, like, find trans people who are anti-non-binary. And, like, I kind of get it, but it seems to largely be people who are like, no, I want to be a traditionalist woman. It's like, oh. Yeah. There are some seriously confused people out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, like... Yeah. I, I remember on Tumblr, the first time I met... Uh, on Tumblr, I, I found this blog of a person who was a, a lesbian who was hugely anti-trans. And, like, they, they even bragged on their, their page about how, like, they had spoken to the UN about the concerns of trans people. And, like, I... I don't know if like they were bullshitting or whatnot, but like it was, it blew my mind. I was like, I don't understand. Why are you? Yeah. Why are you judging? Why are you out here trying to hurt people? <laughs> I mean, that's so weird. Uh, yeah. What What's with the turfs? I don't understand. Oh god. Yeah, no turfs. That's the correct term. The turfs. I don't get it. I I really I really really don't get it. Um, why are you gatekeeping womanhood like that? Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah. Again, it's just narrow-minded and just egotistical. Mm -hmm. Stop doing that. It's a it's a whole thing. It's a whole. It's thing. a whole thing. That mm -hmm. um, I know I barely anything about, but oh man, every I know day that I... I don't like it. Oh yeah, I know. Every day I wake up and I'm like, oh god damn it, another person defending J.K. Rowling, who I previously respected. It's the... uh, yeah, I know. J.K. Rowling. I mean, it's it sucks because you know. We millennials, we grew up on Harry Potter, and it's yeah. just another thing to disappoint us about this world. Oh, yeah. And, like, when I was into Harry Potter, like, a ton of the people I knew were were LGBTQ. Like, a lot of them. And, like, so, like, when that all came out, like, you could, I could, you could feel, like, the ripple across the fan base of, What? yeah absolutely yeah like but, now i have to let you know i i still like harry potter but obviously i condemn rowling yeah. uh i condemn her and it sucks because a lot of people are like well if you don't hate the series then you are supporting jk and it's like no i'm not buying her merchandise i already bought my blu-rays just let me watch my harry potter you know because it's not about her at this point it's about what it has done for me psychologically and just in my life to to make me feel happier it's i mean, I, I i it's mine now you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. not it's not like i'm like oh it's jk rowling wrote it so i no you don't have to res you can like it and not respect it just don't <laughs> support her financially no i i feel i feel that like 
Like, I, I'm willing to admit that David O. Russell makes good movies, but I still think he's a piece of shit. Uh, right. Yeah. I, there, you can have a, you know, you can have, like, a dichotomy in how you feel about things. A, a lot of people are, like, black and white. And you don't have to always be black and white. You, right. Like, that's, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, I would, I would say that I, I primarily agree with you. It is a complicated thing. It is very complicated. It is a very complicated thing. Yeah. But, yeah. like... But like, I do think that there is there is a certain amount of like uh, separating the art from the artist that can go on. I mean, like, the, I mean, like, the thing is, is that we only do it for art, which is interesting. Uh, like, there's there's no one out here going, well, I guess we should throw away all that medicine the Nazis invented. Uh, <laughs> like, I guess we should, like, cause cause bad people are involved with so many things all over the world and like movies exactly yeah like movies specifically are made by so many people like the amount of people they that work are. on a movie and like not all those artists are bad people just one or two people who are involved are pieces of shit exactly yes so like i do so like especially especially for movies it's hard it's hard for me to totally condemn movies because yeah do you know about David O. Russell? Um, I I don't think I do, but do you mind if I use the restroom real quick before I gotta we use the continue? restroom too? Let's do that. Okay, let's do that. And take a break. Um, okay. and I. So how long are we going for? Is oh, it... we can go for as. Uh, just let me know whenever you're ready to wrap up. Okay, I, I'll say like I could go to about three fifteen. Uh, so yeah, so just real quick, David O. Russell is a movie director. He made the movies. Um, he's made a bunch of movies. He made Silver Lining Playbook and a bunch of movies like that. Okay. Um, but uh, he's known for being a huge asshole. Like um, when he made Three Kings, which was his first movie that made him famous, as far as I'm aware, um, he got into a fist fight with uh, got into a fist fight with George Clooney. And, <laughs> wow yeah yeah and then uh but the thing that merely made me go this guy's a piece of shit is a video was leaked when he was making his uh his movie i heart huckabees um oh i love that movie it's a great movie but i'm mad at that movie also because they because a video was leaked from the set where it's just him screaming at lily tomlin and oh i have heard that yes until she cries and i'm just like what the fuck? I'm not surprised someone someone filmed it either. Like the fact that he, like it, just, like I've just heard too, one too many stories about David O. Russell kind of just being like an asshole to people. And of all people, Lily Tomlin. I know. How can you scream at America's sweetheart until she cried? It's fucking. She cried. It's fucking bullshit. You know what? And Dustin Hoffman, you just stood there. What the fuck? <laughs> And you too, Jude Law, Naomi Watts. How dare you? But uh, but yeah, yeah. Some people are some people are assholes in movies. Like some, yeah, some people are. It, I mean, you're. I know you're working long hours and everything, but um, you deserve consequences for those kinds of actions. And did mm-hmm. he receive the consequences? Did we? I mean, David O. Russell's still making movies. He's won. So no. Oscar. He's won some Oscars. Yeah, um, okay, I, cool. I 
I mean, I honestly, I don't know if he's made amends. Um, he's clearly found some actors who like working with him because they seem to keep working with him. Um, right. People like uh, Christian Bale and Jennifer Lawrence keep working with him. Well, Christian Bale, I mean, he has a history of yelling at people too. So yeah, he, he that also, makes sense. He does have a history of, of going off the handle at people. Yes, he uh, does. Very talented, but uh, probably a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> Just a little. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a shame. Yeah, no, not everyone, not everyone seems to get consequences. Um, and even then, consequences don't last. We've canceled Mel Gibson like three times. Yeah, exactly. We've canceled many a, many a people in Hollywood, and uh, they get to come back slowly but surely. Yeah. Joss Whedon's still canceled right now, but... Uh... That's because I've never seen I've never seen anyone fuck up their attempt to clear their name so badly. I don't know I don't know if you read his interview. Um, I might have. I don't. I, I didn't read the interview. I might have heard something. Well, essentially, Refresh my memory. Okay. Well, essentially, he um, first thing that happened was his wife made a lot of allegations against him about like um, infidelity in their marriage and whatnot, and like how he used his position as like this male feminist to like essentially sleep with lots of fans and actresses who thought he was cool and powerful. Um, and that was the first accusation that came out. And then a whole bunch of stuff came out after he, um, he, uh, he came in to finish directing uh, the Justice League movie. And a whole bunch of actors on that um, ended up making allegations against him, specifically um, Ray Fisher and Gal Gadot uh, both made um, some allegations against him. Um, but so later he ended up, after not saying anything for a very long time, he ended up in an interview um, with Vulture. Um, and it was supposed to be like, a, like people thought it was going to be like a him telling his side of the story. Yeah. And so like essentially when you do that, there's two ways you can go. You can apologize profusely for everything or you can deny everything. And Joss Whedon oh, no. did neither of these things. He, <laughs> instead, he instead proceeded to go, ah, yeah, well, you know, I just... I felt like if I didn't sleep with those women, I would have regretted it later. And, yeah. and, like, and like, and like he, he attempted to say, well, I think the problem between me and Gal Gadot is, she, you know, English isn't her first language. And it was just like, what the fuck? Okay, so he's a chauvinistic asshole. I love that. Oh, yeah, no, he, uh, it, it was one of the worst attempts at like a save your image interview ever. Where he just basically was like, kind of like hemming and hawing about, yeah, I did some things, but you know, like, it is life. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? <sighs> Joss Whedon. It, yeah, it's very disappointing to a lot of people. Yeah. 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 I mean, he has beloved projects, and uh, yeah, that really stinks for them. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Let's, uh, but let's, let's talk a little bit more about you. <laughs> what is this therapy? I love uh, it. Uh, but, uh, so let's see here. Um, what haven't we touched on so far here? Oh, you have yeah. a TikTok channel. I do. Yeah. I can plug my TikTok channel. That, that could be fun. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, uh, so I have a TikTok channel. 
Uh, it's called Unbelievably True Crime, and I think you can look it up that way on TikTok. Uh, I, I saw uh, a few of the ones you posted to Facebook. I thought they were very yes. funny, especially the yeah. one. <laughs> one was very funny. Did I post that one to Facebook? Okay, I saw yeah. it somewhere. I... So, <laughs> maybe on the news, you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, no, um, yeah. So I started. I started doing these uh, a couple months ago. Before that, I was just doing like, you know, just regular TikToks, doing like the little trends on there, and yeah, I only had like two hundred fifty-eight thousand or two hundred fifty-eight thousand, two hundred fifty-eight followers rather. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I had this idea. I was like, oh, like, what if I covered, you know, the Wizard of Oz, but make it like a true crime story? And it was just, this, I, I was sitting on this idea for a couple months. And I was just like being really lazy and procrastinating, you know, as ADHD yeah, yeah. folk will do. And, uh, and finally, one day I did it. And then it went viral. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I started just doing them and they, they kept going viral. And right. um, and then I started gaining a lot of followers and I was just like over the moon. It was just really overwhelming and awesome. And um, because, you know, as an artist, mm-hmm. you, you always, it feels good to have your work validated. Yes. Absolutely. It's not like I'm doing, um, you know, TikTok dances to show off my body or, you know, just trying to show off myself there's there's definitely more of a gratification that goes into um making like sketch short sketches putting them on the internet and for people to like that that's just really it's really amazing and you made people um, laugh i make exactly and and i always say like my biggest goal in life is just to like make people laugh and to be happy and uh and i'm glad i get to do that on tiktok and it's so weird because I never would have thought that that would have happened because I've been seeking that sort of um, objective in other places like drag and um, theater and improv and, you know, all that stuff is great. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I love those art forms. Um, but for some reason, my kind of humor and my kind of style really translates well to TikTok, I think. So um, it's just nice to have a platform. Mm-hmm that I can, you know, do art on yeah. daily if I wanted, you know, it's pretty cool. So, so I, so I guess the question is, what will you do if the FCC shuts down TikTok? Um, what also, will I do? Have you heard this? I have heard it. Yes. Um, well, I heard that there are many different sectors of the FC, F, FCC um, and you would have to get more of them on board in order to shut down TikTok. This is what I've heard. I could be wrong. Um, but if they were to shut down TikTok, I, I might go to YouTube. I, I don't know. YouTube is harder though, because it's, it's I've tried. So, it, it's, oh, so it's so big. Yeah. It's so big. The algorithm does not work like TikTok. Um, basically, you just have to have more luck when it comes to YouTube in order to gain a following on there. Uh, because TikTok, people are just scrolling. It's so easy. And it's just like, it's easy to follow somebody. You just hit a button 
YouTube, it's like, you got to go hit subscribe. You got to find the subscribe button. You got to watch the long video or, you know, so it's, it's harder to make it on YouTube. And my, my goal isn't to like make, make it. It's just, it's to have like an art form that is accessible to me mm-hmm. more so than like improv and theater, because that stuff is more fair weathered. Mm-hmm. Whereas you gotta, you know, there's a lot more stuff involved with, with doing it, but this you can do exactly. yourself in your house. Yes. It's easier that way. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's part of why I started podcasting. It's like, I can, yeah, I, there's a lot of things I want to do, but this is the thing that I can make sure I can sit down and actually do it. And yeah. uh, maybe it'll go somewhere eventually. And I really, really hope it does. I um, appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, you, you're a great host. And oh, I think you. that you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, you're, oh, I saw your yeah, it, I just want to say I saw your TikTok about bar- the Barbie one, and that was that was funny too. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I should probably just to sell my little channel more. I should tell your listeners that um, unbelievably true crime is parody crime. So I'm covering different movies and TV shows, but I'm spinning it as if it were a real true crime, and uh, yeah, uh, millennials really like it. Yeah. I find, yeah. Funny. Gen Z, not so much, but <laughs> my market is like millennials right now and, and some Gen X, I would say. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, some of the Gen, some of the Gen Zs are getting up there. They're getting older. They might. They are getting older. I just, I need to start like uh, researching. I got to watch the new stuff. I got to, right. <laughs> I got to like be hip and cool and stuff, which, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I watched Euphoria, so I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little on the trend, maybe That's a little a popular bit. popular one. It's a very popular one. Um, I'm definitely in this part of my life. I'm definitely like uh, Amy Poehler and Mean Girls. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> That's very me right now. Cause I'm like hanging on to youth, but I'm also like accepting that I'm getting older. So it's like a weird, 33 years old is just a very weird like age to be in. Um, how old are you again? I'm 37. Okay, 37. So we're, I mean, you're still in that like 30s realm where yeah. you're like, I'm not young, but I'm not old either. So yeah, it's just a very weird place to be. The 30s is that like relative age range where like there's plenty of people who think of you as old, but there's also plenty of people who think of you as young. Like, yes. If, all you, to feel young, all you gotta do is hang out with people who are in their 50s. And they will think you are so young. Like, they'll be like, oh, yeah. look, oh, you kids. Like, if you want to hear something right, about right. you kids, hang out with someone who's 50 or 60. They'll call you a kid. It does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I should probably start hanging out with 50-year-olds then because I'm so used to, like, doing, uh, like, theater and, like, being on TikTok with Gen Z people who make me feel old. And I'm like, but I don't feel old on the inside. And they're like, no, you're old. I'm like, no, I, I mean, like this. Gen Z people are going to get up there. They're, they're yeah. A lot of them are in college now. Actually, right. The last year to be Gen Z was 2012. Mm-hmm. Anyone born after 2012 is technically in the next generation after that. Gen A, yeah. Is that what they're calling them? They're calling them Gen Alpha. Yep. That's the oh, name. That's, but that's going to go straight to their stupid heads. No. <laughs> Well, yeah, I feel like every generation, I just, I don't, I don't know. 
keeps kind of, I don't know. Well, I shouldn't say that. I, I would sound old. I was going to say uh, keeps becoming even more big headed as, as they get younger, but that sounds really like old and like I, I not feel like, valid like, at all. <laughs> I don't feel like it's an age thing. I think it's an American thing because like, yeah, yeah. like we, like it, like sometimes I look around at the stuff that like millennials are being made fun of for, and it's like, all this stuff was invented by baby boomers. I don't understand. Like the baby boomers, <laughs> come on, baby boomers. Y'all ran away from home to do drugs and have sex at music concerts because your parents didn't hug you enough. What is right. your problem with us? Right. Yeah, have you forgotten? You, you guys made self-help books a billion-dollar industry. <laughs> and yet we're right. the ones who are self-obsessed. Woe is us. Woe is us. Millennials never asked our parents to film every vacation on a camcorder. That was your decision. <laughs> you gave me the trophy for participating. Exactly. I, I didn't give myself the trophy. Exactly. I've talked about that one in my stand-up where I'm like, yeah. that's the biggest dick move is the millennials complaining about these trophies, these participation trophies. We didn't ask for them. You invented them. Promise <laughs> Probably so fathers would stop murdering each other after peewee hockey games. Right, right. Which was a thing that happened in the 90s. <laughs> There's a lot of things that happen that don't happen anymore. And it's sad. Yeah, no. Yeah. Sometimes, like, like I don't want to diminish people's love of sports. But, like, sometimes, like, I think about how our obset, our obsessed with sports our society is. And I'm just like, God, fuck this country. No. Uh, yeah, well, it, it sucks because, you know, we live in uh, Northeast Ohio, so um, for people like us who are more, you know, arts-oriented and, um, you know, maybe yeah, we're we're a little more on, like, the nerdy side, I would say. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, it, we don't have a lot going on for us around here. There's It, it is very sports-oriented and, uh, you know, drinking-oriented. It's just mm -hmm. like... Oh, yeah. Sports and drinks, sports and drinks. That's like every, it's everything around here. And it's, it's hard. It's hard like, for people like us. I feel like sports and drinking is like the American, like you can't get much more American than that on a certain level. Like yes. America loves sports and drinking. And we know Americans love sports because winning at sports is the only reason that a, that a cis man can think of to cut off your penis. That's the only because like because like they spend all this time cringing when they hear about people cutting off their penises. But the second someone says, "Well, they did it to win at sports," they're like, "I believe that. I believe That's a good person would cut off their piece of, their penis to win at sports." Mm. Yeah, like, I, you know what? The only we, thing we, you love, the only thing they love more than their penis is sports. You know, it it might um, it might not be like a great thing to do but i think maybe consider having one of those people on your podcast ruben well, <laughs> that I would mean, be an like, interesting discussion i like i have actually tried to get wacky conservatives on my podcast a couple times okay. i've invited okay. them and i'm like hey man i just want you to come on and have a conversation with me i want to understand this wacky shit you i don't i don't word it that way but <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> this like, wacky I wanna, shit <laughs> i want to hear you out and i want to explain why i my perspective on this thing to you but like yeah. so far so far every conservative i've asked has has turned me down 
Uh, so <laughs> we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Podcasts what are for hippies. Apparently, I, some guy told me he listened to my podcast and told me he didn't think the format would work for him. And I was like, well, I'm I'm flexible <laughs> on the format. What would you need to change? And he never got back to me. He's like, well, the format doesn't work for me because you like have to talk and like I don't want to yeah. do that. Yeah. And then he might actually have to share his opinions. And I might have to be like, well, you understand that that's not a thing that's happening, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> the thing that pisses me off is that conservatives just take things and they, like, distort them to make them scary. And there's so yeah. many examples. Like, the whole thing in Florida started because a kid asked his school counselor to, to talk to them about, about gender. And the school counselor, because, you know, they're a counselor, didn't, like, make that known to the parents. Yeah. Because they're a counselor. <laughs> like, counselors don't typically, right. like, make stuff known to parents unless there's, like, danger involved. Right. And and then that started a lawsuit. And then the media took it and they made, teachers are having secret conversations with their students about gender. And it's like, no. A child asked to talk to a counselor who is the appropriate person to talk to. This is a nonsense thing you're trying to make scary. It, that's all yeah. it is. Yeah. Yellow journalism will never die. Oh, yeah, because it's super profitable. Exactly. Yeah. And, and now that journalists have to compete with YouTube, like, there's no rules. There's, there's no, no rules. It's like, you know, uh, the Huff, not Huffington Post, but like uh, USA Today. Is that even a, that's not a paper anymore. I'm trying to find I, a freaking. I think USA Today, <laughs> is USA Today not a thing anymore? No, anymore. Why, I, this is dating me again. Uh, I, I was going to say like New York Times is become, has become like, I don't know. I, I lost my freaking train of thought. Never mind. I digress. The news, <laughs> newspapers, that's the point. Newspapers. But, uh, they're salacious. They are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's, uh. 318 and you said you had to get going around this time so is there anything else yeah. you'd like to share promote or or whatnot uh while you're on um well uh other than like i you know my tiktok channel uh my handlebar is at uh be quiet tiffany but there's only one t in the middle so it's be quiet tiffany okay. wait are you saying that the the quiet like <laughs> leads into the tiffany yes okay and that that was a stupid thing that i did but that was the only handle that was available and i really wanted that because that's a reference from america's next top model which is one of my all-time favorite shows um you know admittedly okay. uh yeah so so find me on there um i obviously am with just go with it improv with ruben so check yeah. us out um around akron hopefully this fall yeah We'll be doing some some kids shows at the local libraries. I yes, don't remember. Don't remember. Uh, uh, Parma and Berea this fall, October third oh, yeah. and November third. Those are the uh, those are those are the not kids shows. Just for yeah, for those not, are the adult shows not. at adult shows at Berea and Parma Library. Parma yeah. is Parma Library. Our show is October third, and then the Berea Library is November third. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on, John. Yes. Uh, let's say goodbye to the people. All right. Goodbye, people. Take care, everybody. Good night and good luck. Yes. Well, uh, Bubba never did drive a, drive a car the whole show. No, but 
Damn, can he lip sync?